This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to Final Cut, a Rough Drafts podcast production. This is when we talk about movies that Walter and I have both seen and really want to discuss. Most of them end up being good movies because we like watching good films and because movie tickets are expensive. So we're not going to go to see a bad one right away. But the one we're going to talk about today is one that we were always going to watch because we are big Marvel fans. And this was a character that we have been waiting to premiere in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a long time. This is a quintessential Marvel character. It is the Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming, to be specific. And I am joined by my good friend and co-host and Spider-Man superfan, Walter C. Eddie Spedchuk. Walter, oh, how are you doing? Man? Okay, don't, don't call me a superfan. I wouldn't say I'm a superfan because I don't know like all the intricacies and, and ins and outs and everything of the lore. I just really, really like the character because I share a kinship with Peter Parker and like Barry Allen, the Flash. Like they're nerdy, skinny, scrawny white guys. That's kind of what I am. So I don't know. I just uh, Spider Man was like the first, first like big kids TV show we got to watch in my house because in my in my family uh, we we didn't get cable until I was almost in middle school we were we were very much like a public access you know antenna on top of the tv family and that meant during the week it was a lot of like sesame street and zoom and zaboomafu and mr rogers neighborhood and on the occasion probably like fifth grade when like uh, Redwall was on after the like you know nightly news that was on pbs and and like the one saving grace would be saturday morning cartoons and you'd bugs buddy animaniacs all that kind of stuff and I didn't really realize Fox had cartoons. It was mostly like ABC and WB. And then we saw Fox had cartoons, and that was where all the cool cartoons were. That was where, you know, X-Men and Batman and Spider-Man. Like, Spider-Man and, and the original X-Men cartoon are, you know, two of the big kid shows that I were my first glimpse into action and violence and things that my parents didn't necessarily want us to watch and then slowly over time that changed and my first rated r movie was saving private ryan at probably like 11 or 12 watching it with my dad and it's one of my favorite movies of all time but but like spider-man was my first superhero thing and then when they had the movies with toby mcguire it was so cool and i didn't realize toby mcguire wasn't actually like a kid in high school i was like oh that's what high school is gonna be like that's He's so awesome like that's great wow. and i didn't realize he was like 28 um but yeah and, and i always have loved spider-man too i thought uh melina was a fantastic dr ock and is one of my favorite like super villains of all time just the way he portrays him and was like okay with andrew garfield playing spider-man like they were okay they weren't great they were they were Boo. we're gonna rank all the spider-man movies by the end of this and are we we are okay. we're gonna cool. go through them all don't worry um and then when they announced this i was originally really nervous because the first kind of like hints at spider-man i was like oh, i'm not sure i like this isn't how like i this isn't toby mcguire spider-man this isn't like cartoon spider-man and everyone's like oh it's comic spider-man i'm like i don't i didn't read comics i I don't know about this. And then, like, the more I saw of him, when we saw him in Civil War, I was like, oh, my God, I can't. Every commercial, everything was just like, I want to see more of this. And damn, did Tom Holland knock it out of the park. I, yeah. If I was 14, 15, if I was, like, in middle school, I would have had the same reaction that I had about uh, Tommy Maguire way back when now. I'm like, oh, my God, that's what high school is going to be. Like, that's so awesome. This is going to be great. Like, 15-year-old Walter would have absolutely adored this movie and – gone and seen it three times and and let's let's get into that element of it and i do want to say before we move forward we're going to go spoilers because yep. there are specific scenes that we want to talk about so real quick walter spoiler free endorsement of the movie give me 30 seconds why people should go see it without spoiling anything uh it's a really really good spider-man movie and the last th three have been really crappy and this definitely felt like marvel was like all right everybody else did it now we're gonna do it this felt like a marvel spider-man movie and it was great it was fantastic go watch it 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 was a really it was a different spider-man than the one we've seen it's one of the reasons why i hesitate to do my rankings of spider-man films because i, I think that they they each did a different 
Spider-Man. You know, Tobey Maguire is the adult Spider-Man. Tom Holland is the kid Spider-Man. And Andrew Garfield is the shitty Spider-Man. You know, they're all of them. Okay. There, can... there have been a lot of bad Spider-Man comics. Yeah, it, there, I, I hated Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Don't That's at fine. me. I didn't, I, I didn't like it. It was not as good as Tobey Maguire, in my opinion. But I... I, It doesn't deserve to be in the same sense. The fact that they're in the same paragraph seems insulting. I really hated those films. I, I'm not... If, I hated, you're, if you're I looking hated, for Amazing Spider-Man defense... I hated one less than Spider-Man 3. You're wrong. Factually I, inaccurate. That's fine. I hated Spider-Man 3. I thought that was horrendous. I, I like Spider-Man 3. I still do. So, so people at home, if you're wondering like what film opinions you're going to get along with when it comes to superhero films, you just heard what I hate and what I can put up with, and you just heard <laughs> what Walter can put up with. Yeah, but all of these, like Spider, the Amazing Spider-Man movies and Spider-Man Three, are probably the bottom three out of all of them for both of us. It's just what order they are. Like, I, I put Spider-Man Three a tier above um, the other two. I, like, I, if I have my list. And then I have way, 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 I can't, like, I'd have to go under the table here to talk about how I feel about Amazing Spider-Man. But look, we're not talking about Amazing Spider-Man. We're talking about Tom Holland's Spider-Man, the Spider-Man Homecoming. And and it is directed, you you hit it on the head, this is a teenage Spider-Man. This is a Spider-Man that I, I felt like, from its tone and structure up, was all designed for a teenage audience, more so than any other Marvel film. So, Walter, when you think about how this, this story was portrayed and the, and the way it really spoke to, you know, that teenage audience in particular, you know, really delving into the high school element of Spider-Man, what did you think of that choice? Did you enjoy that? Did you think that it did I, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it because Spider-Man is, like, the origin of Spider-Man is that he was. He was, like, in high school, and then eventually he translates into college, and maybe this starts a little bit like it starts a little earlier than maybe the comic books are used to or i'm used to with like the spider-man cartoons or like that kind of stuff um but they they didn't they said no he is a sophomore in high school he is going through all of these high school you know second year like freshman year is always you're dipping your feet into it you're getting used to it you're adjusting to now i have two more hours of homework and i go into school an hour earlier or you know whatever depending on where you went sort of like your first year of college like everyone says yeah you gained 15 pounds and you know, your sleep habits are weird and you're going to spend, you know, seven eighths of the year partying your butt off. And then the last two weeks are always finals weeks and you're just struggling. And finally, when you're a sophomore, you kind of start to figure things out and figure out where you fit in the, the microcosm that is your, your high school or your college. And I like that they picked sophomore year because he's gotten over those, you know, first year of high school jitters and is now in other things they i really like that they focus on oh yeah he was in marching band we get the scenes where he's with the um academic decathlon like they have the practice room scene they, they have this moment where like they're talking about like oh yeah that there's that senior girl that's really attractive if you're a teenage boy in high school there was at least one senior girl that you looked at and went oh my god she's attractive but i have no chance with like every i I don't want to generalize but like everybody's gone through that girls go through that with guys or girls or however you want to do it like everyone's had that moment and and they didn't shy away from it the way i feel like toby mcguire's did because they had to well because... toby mcguire wasn't teenage he was he was meant to be a doctor in his field clearly i don't know why you thought that he was so young they very clearly established him in his young 30s in those films like that's just your memory is off on that there's definite. I, maybe it's college. Maybe they're in like their college. Oh yeah, because no, he's working with Doc Connors. That's yeah, right. you are yeah. completely wrong. Okay, well, you, like, and this is the thing. Like, my memory's faulty. There are multiple different origin stories for Spider-Man. You know, the, that origin story is something that we've seen in the comics. The original Spider-Man got it when he was a doctor working for, you know, the guy who would eventually become the Green Goblin and all of that stuff. Like that in the original, like way back in yeah. like the fifties, that was the origin. And then we had the younger Spider-Man. This was their idea to kind of make it more applicable to the teenage audiences when the comic book industry was struggling. There's a whole history to it. But mm-hmm. I, I think that you hit it on the head, which is that they really they put a lot of time and effort into hitting that teenage angle. They didn't just say, like, oh, yeah, he's a teenager, but he's just like all of our other heroes. No, he's not like all of our other heroes. He has a lot to learn. And, and, there's, and that theme really runs through 
all of the film, right? This is a film of Peter Parker wants to be more than people think that he's capable of with, uh, with our, our good man, Iron Man, standing in as the father figure in this metaphor uh, and, and doing all of, of that fun stuff, which is just delightful, by the way. I, I will watch Tony Stark do a million other things, and I will never get tired of that character. I know people I've talked to who are tired of seeing Tony Stark do Tony Stark I'm things. Not. I'm not I'm It's not Robert Downey Jr. doing Robert Downey Jr. things as Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. Let's not kid ourselves. This is Robert Downey Jr. just playing a version of himself turned up to 11. And how did you feel about his role in this? Because I think that's something he's very much a like a very important figure as far as the theming of the film. He only has a couple cameos, but he's very important as to what this movie's trying to say. And where do you come down on that? I, I was I was very worried with how they were pitching it that this was going to be a very heavy like Iron Man movie, which mm -hmm. I, I didn't want. I, I wanted it to be focused on on Spider Man on Peter Parker. I wanted it to be about this. I'm really glad it's not an origin story. Everyone, it's like Batman. Everyone knows the origin story of Spider-Man. We don't need to hear with great power comes great responsibility. And probably the only reason they don't have Uncle Ben who's it in this movie is probably because they couldn't get Kevin Costner to do it because he's Superman's version of that and they can't really pull him from DC and it doesn't they, make sense. They did mention essentially that the, the Ben death happened. Yeah. He makes we, he we, makes a we reference. We know it to happens, it. but we don't have the moment where he lets a bad guy get away. And spoiler yeah. alert, he lets a bad guy get away, and that's the guy who shoots Uncle Ben, and they have the whole death thing. If you want to watch it, go back and watch Spider-Man One with Tobey Maguire. It's a great death scene, perfectly well done. I don't need to see it anymore. Um, I, I laugh at the father figure thing because it is. It is very much like Tony Stark pretending to kind of be his father, but in that like sort of I'm super rich, so I'm kind of detached from all emotions and responsibilities way until, you know, Peter Parker really Fs up. And then he comes in and he's the angry father of like, no, I'm taking away your car because you crashed it. And I can't trust you with this. And no, I'm not buying you a new Lexus. Like, no, you need to learn responsibility. And then you're going to learn responsibility in a piece of crap 1989 Chevy something or other, not sports car. It's going to be a rust bucket. And when you learn to take care of that, then maybe we can talk about upgrading it to like a 2007 or something. Like, I, I liked it. It wasn't overdone. And the other thing I liked was Happy. Yeah. They, Happy was more detached than Tony was. And I thought that was really weird. I, I as like Happy's always been this super overbearing guy, overbearing guy when it comes to Tony, when it comes to Pepper. Like I, I'm gonna be on top of you guys. I'm. Where do you want me? What do you want me to do? And anytime Tony was there with him, he was like that. But because of Tony, anytime it's just Happy and the kid, Happy's just like, yeah, whatever. Get get out of here. I have Tony things to worry about. Yeah. Un until the end, where the ending happens, he's like, holy crap! Like you saved my butt, and I've been treating you like shit. I'm. Yeah sorry like this is my bad i really have to respect you now um which, which i thought was like interesting i i wouldn't have expected it that way yeah i, I thought that those were two very important characters to have as, as focal points in the film i i think that it's 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 a great moment that climax of the film when you, you get the if you're not anything without with the suit then you're then you don't deserve to have it that, that was a the, great moment that was the with great power comes great responsibility line that was yeah. bloody brilliant yeah, and it, again, it really highlighted this idea of, like, it, it's a perfect teenage moment, and that's why I really, again, love that they delved into the teenage aspect. And I think if you're a teenager, this is going to be your favorite of the Spider-Man films because it's, so, it's all about embracing who you are as a person. And Peter Parker ends up saving the day at the end not because he's a hero, because if he continued to do the hero things, he probably would have blown off going to the dance because he had his Tony Stark internship. Instead, it's because he goes back to being a kid and he actually has to go to high school and is in his classes and is hanging out with his best friend and, and gets enough confidence in himself to ask out the cute senior girl that he ends up running into the villain. And that's such a great lesson to tell you because it is so easy as a kid to feel like, oh, I need to be this big thing and either I'm perfect or I suck. And it's like teenagers suck. High school tends to suck. But these are the kind of stories that I think really highlight like you have the the guy who cares about you isn't the best at expressing it, but really wants 
the best for you and you will grow from those lessons and prove them right and then you'll have the parents who dismiss you and Happy's just dismissing him because he's got all these other more important things to talk about and then you know we see what happens on both like that's a real thing that teenagers are going to face all of the time and I'm glad that that was portrayed and I'm glad it was portrayed as accurately as it was before we move away from the parents can I bring up I, this is my least favorite aspect of the movie, and I want to spend like less than ten seconds about it because it makes me physically angry. Okay. Um, I hate this portrayal of Aunt May. It's awful. It is absolutely disgustingly awful. I have no idea why they're portraying her as this like, yeah, she's young and hot, and everybody wants to bang her thing. Like, no. In any aspect that I've ever researched, that I've ever read, that I've ever seen. Aunt May is the conscience, is the the reminder to Peter that like you are fragile, you are a human, you have this, you have attachments that can be exploited, like and and you're a human, and the daily reminder of Uncle Ben and Uncle Ben's words and all that, and like she's turned into a clown, and I hate it, and I don't think it's Marissa Tomei's fault. I get she's young and attractive, and that's kind of they. You know, you have the really old Aunt May and Tobey Maguire things because everybody's older, and then you have Sally Fields in Amazing Spider-Man because everybody's a little bit younger, and it sort of makes sense. And she's like the perfect of like she's still kind of young, but she has that that grandmother presence. Like Sally mm-hmm. Fields is like the perfect grandmother typecasted, and then Marissa Tomei just it doesn't make sense. It's awful. They shouldn't call her Aunt May. She should be her, like, his long-lost sister. I, I just, I hate it. I, I've, every time she was on the screen, I was angry. I was angry at the portrayal of the character, and I thought it, it took something away from the movie every time she showed up. I hate I it. I mean, he, here's the answer for you. If you do the maths, Marissa Tomei is actually around the age that you would expect a grandparent to be. If you did about 20 years per generation... Add 40 years to Tom Holland's character. Marissa Tomei is not as young as you think. She's younger than most people that have been cast to play that role. But she's she's 52. She's not, she's not, like, two generations up would be 55. If we were to go pure math from 15, it's not as far away as people are indicating on social media. However, that's not a social media thing. That was literally an hour into the movie, me going, I I don't want to see her on screen anymore. Please stop this hippy dippy bowl routine. I hate this. And this is the thing that I, I guess your argument is that the hippy dippy personality cannot that, serve as a moral conscience. That's more which what I think me out. that nowadays that kind of mentality is something that we're seeing become more of a thing as we're seeing the next generation age up. We're seeing that that kind of, you know, love everybody, let's, you know, just be nice and let's open up to me. I can be cool and hip too. I've seen a lot of those people. I work in a job where I run into people. And I, I, I see many people on a that's, daily basis. That's fine. That's it's not Aunt totally May. totally a thing. But that's it, not Aunt May. That is not how Aunt May has ever been portrayed in anything. Right. But comics, by their design, have to update themselves. Because at some point, like, if, you, if we're going to keep doing Spider-Man for 10 years... By 10 years from now, she's going to be 65, and suddenly it's going to make more sense that they cast someone who wasn't going to die, right? That, like, that, like if you want to get into some, some behind-the-scenes things, like, like if you're planning <laughs> on having this scale up over time, my, and they plan on having Spider-Man around for quite a while, then having someone who's a little younger My issue isn't role. the age. It's not Marissa Tomei's age. It's not the age that they're placing her as. Is that she's, she's supposed to be the serious character. She's supposed to be the one that... You know, he's swinging around, he's having all this fun, and she's the serious reminder of adulthood and the consequences of his, you know, childish kind of actions. Like, he left his grandmother, or he left his aunt a, a widow because of a stupid mistake that he made because he was a kid and he was being vindictive. Like, in, in most portrayals of that of that thing. Like, that that's what I hate. I, I don't like the portrayal of her where she is traditionally supposed to be the moral compass for him. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from there. I, I think that they had her step back from that just because Tony Stark was filling a lot of that role. That is true. I don't think That's I don't think you needed two people to do it in this movie. But I, I will say the one thing I can 100 um, percent say I, I disliked. Um, we didn't need five jokes about how attractive Marissa Tomei is. Like really, that like if you're really like if we're talking about like hey maybe casting such a young 
person and having this kind of younger mentality than we're used to in most grandparent roles in this, um, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this was a terrible idea. Have, have, have the friend make the one like, you know, I mean, it's kind of hot. And have him just be, dude, gross. And that's all you need to do. That's all you had to do the entire thing. And guess what? We already made that joke in Civil War. So we didn't need to do it again. Yeah. It was already done. It had literally already been done. I, that was, you know, whatever. That, that was silly and unnecessary. But it, it doesn't ultimately take away from the film. I, I want to talk about the supporting cast, our, our other kids oh. around. Because we're, we're going to end on the villain, because I know that's what you're most excited to talk about. We're ending on the villain. But we've got to talk about the kids first. Okay. How did you feel about MJ and, uh, oh, God, his other best friend, whose name I'm forgetting right now? Uh, Ned. 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 Yes. Um, How do you I... feel about MJ and Ned? So MJ, I like I like the subtlety with it. I if I did not know Zendaya was going to be MJ, like from what everyone had been saying and the rumors and all that jazz, like I would have legitimately gasped when she said MJ, because she was kind of being played up as like the you know like oh, this could be a love interest like way down the road type because she's in the movie and she has speaking lines and she's like this tomboyish person that seems very uh like she knows what life is like and she knows how kind of cold it can be and that's how she's portraying through all these kind of jokes is this very dark humor where peter's like you know upbeat and happy and all hi peter parker i'm gonna go swing around on some buildings and and was like a magnificent foil especially when he's like down in the dumps and she draws the sad picture of him all like depressed and everything um, Ned, like, I, I thought it was perfect. It was great. I, I can't wait to see what they do with it. I hope it's not, I hope it's not rushed. Like, if, if the second movie or the next Avengers movie or whatever, if they aren't an item yet, like, I'll still be happy. Like, I'd rather see this, like, a natural growth progression. Maybe she's in danger in the second movie and he, like, saves her and all of a sudden now we're starting to see some of the the sprinkling of the chemistry between them and yada, yada, yada. Like it doesn't need to be like, I don't need to be 10 minutes in the next movie and they have to be holding hands or anything. Um, yeah. as for Ned, he was the perfect fat, nerdy best friend. He was perfect. I, I, I think it was the perfect amount of him any more. And it would have been a little, little grating any less. And it would have been like, Oh, he's not an important character. He's going to die in the next movie. Like it was, it was the perfect amount and he finally got his moment to be the cool superhero assistant, you know, guy with all the monitors. And then the principal comes in and is like, I, I was watching porn. Like, he got his, his, he got his standard sidekick goof offline, which I thought was great. Guy um, in the chair. Guy in the guy chair. Guy in the chair. <laughs> guy in the he finds out about it was great. The moment where they're, like, sitting for the tracking and he, like, they're, the, the scene where they're constantly, like, moving around while they're tracking... Uh, the van and like the, the, they find a show up and he's wearing the mask like that was all great like i said any more than him and i would have started to hate the character any less than he would have felt unimportant um and and i do also want to say just real quick i like the fact that they were able to cut a lot of kind of origin level stuff that we would have had to deal mm -hmm. with just by having him like as soon as he finds out like ask all these questions yeah. like can you dude venom do you lay eggs like all this like silly kind of and, stuff. and establishing whether he's the the toby mcguire where it's yeah like i'm shooting it out of my arms versus the which i love the science geek that he had to create his own threading and and uses the canisters which was awesome and one of my favorite things about the cartoons was that he had he had to be the scientist he had to create all of these things himself he has all this awesome tech which Tony kind of giving him this like crazy teched out suit dampens some of that for me, but like it's cool. I get it. He's friends with Tony Stark. Of course, Tony's gonna give him this awesome suit that he has locked behind like parental controls. Yes, like, which which cool. are hilarious, by the way. It's like the the baby monitor. I think is what they call it. Yeah, ba baby. Yeah, baby monitor and uh, oh yeah, the other one that was like the taping. Yeah, taping stuff. That was it's just like clutch, clutch joke. Yeah. Appreciated it. 
I love how he has the conversation where he's like talking about how he feels about Liz and like you could tell the robot they're like trying to make it be like oh you're building a relationship with your robot I was waiting for the robot to be like why not me why Liz I was waiting for that like kind of jokey moment because oh, you know Tony has Jarvis and it's funny that he has Karen tell her how you feel you know it was <laughs> I, look, I love, I love the suit. You, Peter. I, I understand, like, some people have mentioned that they would have liked to see Peter do more with the suit and have more of a direct impact mm-hmm. on it. I, I think for me, the, the the decision to hack into it and take everything off and, and, and kind of take an active role in that regard. He's a 10th grader. I'm not expecting him to, like, build his own little micro spider drone. Like, Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that it was, I, I thought they did enough to emphasize that he's still the intelli- he's still very intelligent. He still gets the web thing on his own. He still does all those kinds of experiments and then does a lot of the, the planning on some of this stuff. But I, I, I think that it was, it was a necessary thing that they had to do to get Spider-Man fully incorporated mm-hmm. in, in the Marvel Universe for what it is. Um, do we want to talk about... I mean, I, let's just talk cinematography real quick because we're going to close on, on the villain. Did you get... Because I, I, I feel like the best part of a Spider-Man film is feeling like we get the swinging in the air, we get the web stuff, all of that is, is something that makes Spider-Man unique. Did you feel like this movie highlighted that element of, of a Spider-Man film in the same way that the Raimi trilogy or, or even like Spider-Man 2, the video game, was famous for doing? No, no it, it, it didn't. And and I, I didn't realize that I was going to like it so much because in, in the original Raimi trilogy, like Spider-Man knows how to fight. Like, it just instinctually, Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, nerd, like, knows how to fight. And is, you could tell he's, like, a trained fighter. That mm-hmm. kind of, now going back, I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. Because he just gets bitten. And, like, yeah, I get you're super strong. But if I woke up with muscles tomorrow, I wouldn't be able to do, like, kickboxing or judo or any other martial arts. Like, <laughs> I just have to go learn those things. Like, he didn't also get super smart at the same time. I like how sloppy uh, Peter Parker is in this. I, I like yeah. how sloppy this Spider-Man is. You know, the he misses the one support location on the boat, and it's like, you passed with a 98% accuracy, and then everything falls apart, and then Tony comes in this, you know, save the day. Like, I like that. I like when he's fighting, it is this very haphazard, like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Uh, uh, taser net, you know, all these kinds of things that he's discovering himself because... He's in 10th grade. Like, he's a kid. He needs to learn his own fighting style. He needs to learn what works with him. You know, even even in, like, Civil War, he was clumsy. He was, you know, just kind of, like, swinging around, dodging things, and, like, doing what Tony told him to do. Like, web that guy, grab the shield, etc. Which, the opening scene, marvelous. Yes. Beautiful. The, the video Wonderful. Amazing. Great way to, so well done. It's such a great way to catch people up who maybe didn't see Civil War. Because we always act like everybody's seen all the Marvel films. But people don't necessarily see all the Marvel films. And Spider-Man is a character that is so popular outside yes. of Marvel stuff. I mean, yep. Spider-Man makes gangbusters wherever it is. So to have that kind of incorporated, we get to see it from that moment and have it be such a great character thing. And then you combine that with the, the CDS where he's in the mirror and trying to go over the, uh, the, the film that he saw. And he's, it's like his Thor impersonation. Like, it's yeah. so, like, it's it's exactly as cringeworthy as anything you made when you were 15 goes. Uh, there's somebody, I, I think it was a Delta Bandit, um, who's in our Discord and on Twitter, uh, one time went back through the vlogs that I made during my freshman year oh, of William they're Mary. Wonderful. They're oh, amazing. my God, it's they're so hilarious. bad. And they're I refuse great. to bring them down because they're there and they exist and I learned from them. But, like, if you have ever created anything, like, it is, it is so perfectly capturing the essence of that. Um, and, and I do feel like, you know, there's just, again, like, that, that playful moment. I, I, I always love, I loved the scene where, you know, it, I, I think Ned brings up, like, do you know how far your web spinners go? You ever fired them just to see how far <laughs> they can go? And then when he's chasing after, he fires it over. And then it just leaves because it goes too far. And he's like... He has to start running. He's like, this sucks. <laughs> well, no, it's it's because he's chasing after them and he runs out of things to, like, spray at. Yeah, so that, he's like, yeah, oh, I'll give like, it a oh, shot. Like, yeah, let's, just, see, let's see how far we can go. Then. Oh, it was great. I, oh, I just, I, okay, only other thing, I wish Marvel hadn't used Donald Glover here. Oh, I love Donald Glover. I, no, I, I love him. I love him. He fit the role. 
I want him in something bigger. I want him in a bigger oh, part. Wait, do you do you not know who his character is? Should I know who his character is? Oh, okay. Well, I have some good news for you, buddy. Okay, please, please give, give me the good news. Have you heard of Miles Morales? The name does sound familiar. Miles Morales is the Spider-Man from the Ultimate Marvel comic series. Okay. Uh, he is a Hispanic teenager okay. um, who gets up in, in their version of the universe getting the powers. And, and Ultimate Marvel is now dead, but he has made appearances. You know, he's kind of, it's this idea that he's, you know, from this alternate timeline, but he's still regarded as a Spider-Man. Peter Parker's had some great exchanges with him, both young Peter Parker and old Peter Parker. Okay. Um, Donald Glover played his uncle. So Donald Glover directly gives us the possibility that we could have Miles Morales and therefore two Spider-Man. Two, two of the Spider-Men together doing things. Like, oh man, Doctor Strange, if only we had the possibility to go into parallel timelines. I, I, I got you. So this is, this is like Flashpoint, basically. This is it, just alternate universe Spider-Man connection, essentially. Either, yeah, it, it's either one, they never follow up on this and it's a great cue for the hardcore fans like myself, <laughs> or two, we're totally getting Miles Morales at some point and we get Donald Glover to follow up with that and that would be fucking that, awesome. That, that would be a great payoff. <laughs> Me not knowing, but like, still, I... But that, that's the point. Like, like, you have, like, Marvel does those little cameos yeah. as world building. Like, that's how they've always done it. Like, you have to kind of, at some point, you kind of have to trust the system and be like, look, they brought in this person that I like to do a thing. Maybe they're going to do something with it. And, and I think Donald Glover does a great job in his, in his scene, by the way. Yes, yeah. for, for no, people that's, home. But, that, that's fair. Like, no, he was brilliant. That wasn't the thing. It was just like, I, I, I want him in, in something else. And thankfully, I just double-checked. Static, static Shock is a DC, so Donald Glover could still go be Static. And that's kind yeah. of where I was like picturing him. Like, I want him to be Static. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be yeah. fantastic. There are, there are a lot of things that, uh, that they can do with, with that character in the universe. And I hope that we get to see... I'd love to see Donald Glover, since he's in New York, show up in, uh, in the Netflix shows. They just run it... They, like, he's one of the criminals that they run into. <laughs> and, <laughs> hey, man, do, do it up. I, that's the one thing, though, is they have kept the Marvel... Like, the Netflix shows fairly separate from the universe. So I'm yeah, not sure that would happen. Well, the problem there, to, to give a very TLDR, is that the head of the television crew and the head of the film departments of Marvel hated each other for a very long time. But now the, the bigger asshole of the two is, has been forced out. So I there's a you. chance in the future that it won't be quite as... Uh, quite as rigid? Quite as rigid. But we'll you. see. Um, certainly, so far, investing in the TV shows hasn't given me much in the movie universe. But let's talk about thing that I know you want to talk about most. It's a thing that a lot of people are, are very excited to talk about. Oh my God. And I'm, I'm kind of interested to see, how did you feel about Michael Keaton as the Vulture? Best villain in Marvel. See, I was that afraid was, you were gonna say that. That was, he was the, and, and maybe it's just recency bias, cause I, Iron Man 2, um, um, his character was, was pretty good. Uh, okay, that's interesting. But see, I like the, like, I like the very, very foil aspects, but also, like, you're a step away from being me. Like, I love those kind of villains, and and that's kind of how both those villains are. And there's that moment where Keaton's kind of like, I had high hopes for you, like, maybe I could have changed you to my side type thing, but I can tell you, like, you're too much of a goody-goody two-shoes, so I'm gonna have to kill you anyways. Like, I, I love those kind of things where it's you know you're one step across the line of just being me i thought he was brilliant i he every one of his scenes whether he's in the vulture outfit or not he has a i have one goal i have one mission and, and you could read it on his face the entire time and and it there's this aura around him that is purveying i'm here because i got screwed over by tony after this so i'm gonna screw him over i'm gonna make as much money as i can i'm gonna take care of myself and my family because it's quite clear no one gives a shit about me i i and and it is 
it's not a wrong attitude. Like, there are moments that I, I sympathize for him. Like, I know, I get why he's doing that. It's got to be frustrating to just get brushed off to the side because, you know, Tony Stark signed something with a magic pen. Like, and that's something that's very, very pervasive in the entire Marvel Universe is, like, Tony gets away with everything because he's super rich and he's Iron Man. Like, he gets to pretty much write how, he, how everything goes and all these guys below them get screwed it's a it's kind of the same way that the the villain in um in civil war mm-hmm. it's kind of like that same thing he's like no one cares what happens to us and i really like that marvel is using a lot of like little guys versus the superheroes they're not using like i'm a big super powered man that can match up against captain america in in like spider-man and in iron man where they are just kind of guys in suits that are either really smart in Tony's case or, you know, do have some some limited superpowers in Peter Parker's case. I thought it was brilliantly played. And when they reveal, spoiler, 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 that Toombs is Liz's dad, I audibly turned to Alicia and said, holy shit, they Green Goblined it. I didn't, I did not see that coming at all. And I feel like an idiot that I didn't see it coming. But I, I audibly gasped. I was like, holy crap. And it sets up probably one of the most intense villain versus good guy monologues in Marvel. In anything that they've done. In anything the movies have done. Because I think some of the Kingpin... Okay, best, Mar- best Marvel movie villain. Let me put it that way. Because I thought Vincent D'Orfino as Kingpin was utterly fantastic yeah kingpin and, and you look at uh jessica jones yeah and, and, oh and yeah so so movie wise he's the best villain he, but he's cl- he's like close to tenant and Dor- dorfino in terms of just commandeering the scene with i'm the bad guy i'm the person you have to be like neither of the shockers felt like oh this is actually a threat to peter they were just kind of like there's a reason why in the credits there's shocker one and shocker two like neither of them are actually shocker so I, I'm interested to see how that goes long term, but God, Keaton is good. Yeah. He's just and, and he does so well going from I'm just a family man taking care of my family to I am a psychopath that will murder you and everything that you love. Well, and you see, this is the thing. I'm not sure I, I read Psychopath quite to the same extent you did. What I really liked about him, and this is what I like about villains in general. Because what you, what you need in a villain is not someone, like you said, the superpowered, like, I'm going to be able to fight you toe-to-toe. Because at the end of the day, we all know that the superheroes, 99 times out of 100, are going to win the day. Wouldn't be much of a superhero film as the superhero didn't win. Yeah. Um, so, so when you see things like in The Incredible Hulk, like, who does he fight? He fights the Abomination, just really big Hulk-type thing. Uh, who does Thor fight in the first one? That giant whatever-the-hell <laughs> yeah. metal thing that spits flame. and yeah. No one remembers. Yeah. No one remembers the name of the villain in Thor 2 either. If you think you do, you don't. It's the Night Elf Not Malekith. Malekith. I actually, I actually do know the, the villain of that. The Night Elf. Yeah. I, I'm, I am really too invested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Look, I, I have other villains that maybe stand out to me a little bit more just because of my personal comics attachments to That's it. Fair. But... Like, if I look at it, like, if I take a step back and think technically, what is a villain? A villain is someone who believes that they are the hero because they have a goal. And their goal is the same as the hero's goal, just just a little bit twisted. What does Spider-Man want to do? He wants to save his city. He wants to help those that he cares about. He wants to be a better person in that regard. What does the Vulture want? Vulture wants to take care of his family. That's a very human goal. We want people to take care of their families. We don't like big government coming in and taking away his contract, taking away his ability to make a living. Like when he first makes his decision to start using these alien products to to make some money off of it, like that totally makes sense to me. And then you realize he's doing it on weapons and you're like, oh, that's not a nice way to do it. But I like at the same time, I get why he did it. It's understandable. It is something you can sympathize with. Mm -hmm. And there's... I, I think the thing that really marks him as a great villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and like you said, you know, whatever rankings you come up with, there are very few you would describe as great in the Marvel Universe. They've had a problem with that in the movies. Yeah. But this, like, it's the scene in the warehouse for me. 
Like right as you know, after the dad's like the car scene is amazing, and I want to end. Like we got to get to the car scene because yeah. that individually can be broken down. Mm -hmm. But it's the one right after the car scene, where is he? He, you know, you can tell he knew he knew Spider-Man was gonna get there. He knew Spider-Man was gonna be there, despite every warning that he gave. He's like, you know what? I can see what my daughter sees in you. I didn't get it before, but I do now. And that's something. There's a, a respect there. There is an admiration of like, you know what? You have a determination and a drive for what you believe in. That matches me. That that's matches what I'm saying. Me. That, that just, one step across. Exactly. It's just unfortunate that you're in my way. Like, I didn't see him as like a psychopath. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you because I can. Because I think that what we see when he goes to prison is a very human response. We'll talk about the post credit scene at the very end. That was probably one of my favorite things of the whole film. Um, he drops a building on him. Yes, but not, but not because he's evil or because he wants to see Spider-Man hurt. It's because otherwise Spider-Man will get in his way and his family means more to him than anything. That's fair. Even at the very end of the film, he's still not letting his family be around for the courts for his yeah. trial because he doesn't want to see them hurt. Yeah. Like that is, like he is totally willing to own up to his part his, of the punishment. Yeah, his mistake. But he doesn't want his like that's all it is. And Spider-Man is in the way of him doing what he believes will take care of his family the best. So Spider-Man's got to die. And you know what? That's a really fascinating character. That is a and, and that's the thing is it's more than a villain. It's a character. He is a personality that you could feel coming off the screen and that you think about and you're like, oh man, I wish that he wasn't a bad guy because I like a lot about him and I kind of want him to succeed even though I want Spider-Man to win because of course Spider-Man needs to win. But oh man, Vulture's really good. Like, like that's what we want a villain to do. And I felt like he nailed that. And let's talk about the car scene because we need to because that is just the perfect embodiment of all of this poor peter i like i i struggle with awkward humor sometimes but he's like taking the photos in the kitchen like trying to get ready and he can't put on a smile because he's so just oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my, oh my god. god i know who you are i i was dying i was like covering my eyes like oh no i feel like i'm kidding the whole eye holes because i want to watch but like oh my god i can't believe it, does this remind? Does it remind you of anything? Are you getting flashbacks to to junior prom, Chase? Does it I, remind you of anything? I I actually did have some flashbacks to my prom. It was uh, oh man, prom is uh, is something else. But yeah, uh, it, not even prom, just any high school dance. Every single person, whether you're a guy or a girl, you have had some reflection of that conversation. It wasn't between a superhero and a supervillain, but we have all been stuck in the car of someone we were dating that had a similar conversation. Okay, yeah, now, 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 I'm, now I'm remembering a moment. Because I was like, yeah. nah, not for dances. Not, not, now I'm remembering a moment. There we go. Yeah. There you go. Everyone's got it. Everyone's yeah. got that one. Mine was a guy who came out in his, uh, was a dad who came out in his military uniform and told me about the guns that he owned. Like, that was great. Like, everyone's got it. Everyone's got it. But, I, what, what, but like, tell, when you're watching that, like, what elevates that scene? Because I know this is a scene that you've told me off camera, something that really stood out to you. But what, what elevates that scene above what we see from that? That, that scene, and, and maybe it's I'm maybe it is I'm misidentifying the psychopathiness of of just like a deep love for his family. But that is that is when you see the clash of selflessness of a superhero versus selfishness of a villain. When when we look at villains and and. Protecting your family is inherently selfish. It's just not a, a, a like negative evil selfishness, but it is selfish. Like to care about just yourself and your immediate people that you care about, that that's selfish. Because why do we why do we care about our our parents? Why do we care about our siblings? Why do we care about significant others or pets or you know extended families? Because we don't want to see them hurt. We we want to see them happy and them being successful. But that's that's a we thing. We don't want to see them in pain. We don't want to see them suffering. Because, you know, we're we're kind of selfish individuals where we want our we want ourselves to be in the best place to survive and our happiest, and sometimes that includes the people around us. So you have this, you know, diametrically opposed views that are inches and centimeters away from each other. Of I'm willing to sacrifice sacrifice myself for everyone, and I'm willing to sacrifice everyone for myself and just you know these immediate people that are around me, mm -hmm. and it's it's always thrilling to see it when it is so pure 
because Toombs is not, there's not some crazy convoluted plan. He's even against doing the crazy convoluted plan for the majority of the movie until all of a sudden here's the heroic guy, you know, riding in on his white horse that's here to save the day. And he's like, shit, like now I have to do this crazy plan because there, I, I, I have to. This is just, this is it. This is my way out. And it goes back to the Baby Driver episode, which if you haven't watched, go watch it. Thieves never get out of the game. They just, you know, it's when they die, they leave. You know, and, and good thieves die old. That's that's kind of, I know I'm butchering it, but that's kind of the quote. Good thieves die when they're old. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and Tombs, you know, that's, that's the really interesting thing to me is he makes that statement of like, you know, eight years or however many in it, and the government hasn't bothered us, Stark hasn't bothered us, and all of a sudden it's this snot-nosed, punk spider like <laughs> I why love that rant. why like that is a beautiful rant because it's like yeah like tony stark hasn't stopped you and that is kind of weird that they haven't like noticed you since you've been doing this for eight years and it's gotta be weird to be like yeah there's all these like pockets of you know alien weapon use and what is this stuff and it's clear that like it, it peter figures it out it's like oh this is alien tech mixed with like a spanner radio what is this like it should have been clear that these weapons aren't just alien weapons that they've been you know meddled with or something and when you think about it like you know oh no i don't think there's 15 different people on you know the eastern seaboard that can all put together these types of weapons no there's probably like two and they're probably working together so that was very weird but just the the and and both of them are neither of them are are trained like, even Vulture is not, like, I'm not, like, a martial arts expert. Like, he is also very violent and rough, and he's not, you know, using martial arts to beat this kid. He's using, you know, pure, brutal force of what he has built and what he has salvaged, and he is staking all of this on this one mission, on this one super suit, and he's going to use all of it to reach his goal. And Spider-Man is, you know, I- I'm using what little I have to prove that I'm that good. Um, it, it's just great. I love it when it's that pure, when it's when it's not convoluted. It's why I love like, um, why I prefer like Heath Ledger's Joker versus Christian Bale's Batman, because that is pure. That is pure chaos for the sake of chaos because I love chaos. Versus, I'm willing to sacrifice myself to keep order and to keep every every you know my city safe. It's it's that same type of thing. It's not like Bane where it's this kind of convoluted plan of Talia al Ghul and it's kind of murky and it's got all these little strings and everything like when it is pure this is my goal this is my ideal versus your goal and your ideal that is when I I appreciate my my villains and my heroes the most is when it's two sides each with a goal who stops the other and, and that is truly what I think uh Michael Keaton brings as Vulture and that's what Tom Holland brings as Spider-Man Despite the fact that the ending is kind of a little... I, I wasn't a fan of the end. Oh, see, I liked it. I, I like the end end. I'm not the fan of, like, the final fight. It felt... I know why it happened, and it ends that way, and, and it shows Spider-Man as the pure good guy, and he comes out on top, but just that entire fight is just... There's something off about it to me. Well, there's only so much you can do, given that he doesn't have a suit. Yes, Which I think I, is something, I like. Like there, are, there are limitations brought in, and this is the thing that I, I, I really liked about it, right? Because we have so many movies you can point to where it's like, oh, the final fight is this big, giant, climactic moment, and don't get me wrong, like when they're falling off of the, when they're fighting on the on the plane and it's crashing down, and they go into the like Ferris wheel, like there are some crazy moments. It still has the big set pieces, but the final way it's resolved is not in that. It's not in this big defeat because there's no way Spider-Man overpowers somebody like that. Mm-hmm. It's in. Vulture overextends. Yeah. He, he goes beyond his tech because he's so single-minded. Yep. And that single-mindedness backfires, but Peter is still the guy that is going to try to save everybody. And he does, he does save him, and it, it, it creates a, a great moment, a character moment for Spider-Man. And I think that that character moment is worth way more to me than like one more big action finisher. I didn't need to see a finishing move for no, me to feel no, no. like it had, it had been resolved and it had done so in a, in a very fun character way. Uh-huh. Um, so now I get, to, I get to ask you something, Walter. Sure. 
do you know who the character who approached the vulture in the post credits prison scene? Okay, good. You know, do you know yes. the Scorpion? Because I, I looked it up. I was like, this. I was like, this character is important. I know this. And then when I looked it up, that I went back and and you know, researched him. I was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. We're gonna have some fun, boys. We're gonna have a lot have of fun a lot with of the fun. Scorpion. We're gonna have it's... a lot of fun. I I was very curious of who the next villain was gonna be. Yeah. I, well, that was that was really what I wanted set up was like all right who's who's gonna be the next bad guy and I was like I hope it's not Green Goblin because I don't want to see Green Goblin. Well, well, don't worry. Sony's Spider-Man universe that doesn't have Spider-Man is probably going to talk about Green Goblin because Sony has no idea what they're doing and their continued spiral. If anyone who follows the film industry is aware that Sony has really struggled to get hits. Baby Driver coming through for them is going to be big. Like, shout out to them for getting Baby Driver. Yep. But they have gone a long time without consistently ranking as high as a studio like Sony yep. should. And there's a reason for it. And it involves decisions like, hey, let's do a Venom movie where he's up against Carnage in a universe in which we don't have the rights for Spider-Man anymore. What could go wrong? It's... It's not like we have emails released in 2015 that got leaked to the public about how you had no idea where Spider-Man was going and you were just hoping that you had left enough plot thread so something could be thrown together at the last minute. Oh, wait, we totally did. Can't wait, Sony. And, and oh, man, and they just, and, and Homecoming left so many threads that could be, like, like Flash. That name, I was yeah. like, I'm like, I know this is an important character. Like, they wouldn't keep saying his name and, and and focusing on it, and then I looked up. I'm like, okay, yes, now I know where they're going. They could bring Doc Connors in. They could bring Doc, you know, Oct I would love to see another Doctor Ock. Like, I would love to see an another Doctor Ock. Like, again, that is one of those types of characters where it's that thin line. It's that that thin step over. And I think the Tobey Maguire movies did a fantastic job with it. I would love to see Doc Ock in the Spider in Marvel, like actual Marvel hands. Like, how, how would Marvel themselves actually portray, you know, a younger Dr. Ock that's, that's going to match up against, you know, Tom Holland? That, like, I'd love to see that. I would love to see, um, I, I would love to see Shocker after Jamie Foxx's terrible, 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 terrible rendition of him. I'd love yeah. to see it at, done correctly. And um, I think the shocker the way it was done here is fine. I don't need anyone. But, but I but I actually want actual supervillain shocker, not like oh yeah, I got this cool punching gauntlet. Like this is cool. Like I I I've want got some bad full... news for you. That's that's the shocker. I know I, I know. But I in the same way that I've got some bad news for me, they're never gonna put the Mandarin in in a Marvel movie. No. Even though they did have that short film where they hinted that there is an actual Mandarin. Other There's one not I want, anything like that. For the other villain I want for Spider-Man, the um, the dude with the helmet. Oh, what's his name? Oh God. I know. I gotta look it up now. I gotta look it up. Yeah. Well, while you're doing that, um, I I, I just want to say I, I think overall it's very clear that we both really like the film. I think it's a great step towards establishing Marvel's cinematic universe and in really getting a, a Spider-Man that feels like his own hero. And when you look at, you know, the trailers that are coming out for Black Panther, for instance, you're, you're really seeing that Marvel is embracing that each of these characters are their own style of film. And Spider-Man was a, a film about a teenager growing up and figuring things out and discovering himself and who he wants to be and where, you know, what it means to be a hero. And we need films like that. We need superheroes like that. And then to have them in the Marvel universe, I think is going to be valuable in the same way that Black Panther is going to be valuable for, for that demographic, the fact that Captain Marvel is going to be great for that demographic, and screw you, Marvel, for taking so long to get to a female superhero, but can't wait till you finally get there, guys. You know, it'll be fun. I can't, I can't wait to see what you guys do there. Um, Mysterio. Mysterio, okay. that That is the supervillain I have wanted the most in Spider-Man. I, I really want feeling... Mysterio. I think what they're going to do is they're going to avoid the Raimi villains and the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man villains as long as they can yeah. because they have Spider-Man has such Myster an eclectic. Mysterio's a great guy to go to then, Myster and that's a tie-in with Doctor Strange. Like Mysterio would make a lot of sense. It's we, we'll we will see. You know they've they've indicated that 
you know, Spider-Man Homecoming 2, or whatever they end up calling the sequel, like, they're, that is supposedly, like, the start of the next story arc of Marvel Cinema. They're talking about the second Civil War, uh, the second, uh, the sequel to Infinity War, whatever they end up calling it, being the end of a 21-movie story arc. That's going to be the end of Evans and Helmsworth and Downey Jr. Like, that's going to be the end of those guys, I think. And they'll just come back for, like, small cameo roles. Like, I think they're going to start moving it into Cumberbatch and Holland and the Black Panther actor that I'm forgetting his name. I'm so sorry. Um, And, and like, that next sort of group. And we're going to just kind of have this push forward as they keep spreading themselves out. Chadwick Bosman. Chadwick Bosman and... um, God, I forgot like, Michael T. Jordan. Michael T. Jordan's the villain. Oh my God, this is gonna be so. I good. can't wait for that. Oh, oh my it's God, it's gonna be so good. I can't wait ah. for that. I can't wait for Black Panther. Here's um, a, okay, Mar- uh, buddy. Do you know what the next Marvel project we're gonna get to talk about on here is? Thor. Uh, well, Thor Ragnarok comes out in November, but before that, Punisher? the Defenders. Oh, Defenders, Defenders, the Defenders in uh, August 18th. We're a month away. See, I'm. Iron Fist killed a lot of hype for me for Defenders. We so. should really do like a Defenders preview, like before it comes out. We'll go through like our thoughts. We'll, on wa- we'll watch stuff. Marvel and Jessica Jones, and all, we'll watch Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all that stuff again. I'm totally down for it. Let's do it. I I'm not sure I'm gonna have enough time to watch all of them again, but maybe we'll at least talk about them and yeah. what we like about I'm each down. character, whatever else. I'm, uh, I'm not watching Iron Fist. Walter, last last recommendation before we get out of here. Oh, I like I said, like a fifteen-year-old Walter would have absolutely gone nuts over this movie and would have bought Spider-Man printed bedsheets and like everything and would have gone to see it five times. Like it's it's it it, it kind of sucks that I saw this and Baby Driver and I have Baby Driver cinematog- like the cinematography and the direction and how the movie looks and comparing that to Spider-Man because I. Like, that's a better movie. But then I liked Spider-Man more than I liked Baby Driver because I have more of a connection to this. Like, out of the two, this was my favorite movie, but Baby Driver was better. So I, w- I wish I hadn't seen them in the same weekend. So I could have spread them out and let them have their own kind of peace of my mind rather than watch both of them and compare and contrast them and go back and forth of what I like better in each. And, um, but God, it was, just, it was just damn good fun. And like I said, Michael Keaton is the best Marvel villain that they've done. And if they could just harness this for the rest of them, they could have some really, really compelling and badass villains. This is exactly the kind of blueprint that they need to follow. And the one other thing I want to stress, um, and I, I think you you kind of uh, hinted at this when you talked about not wanting to compare two films like this. Don't compare these to the Raimi films. Don't do that to yourself. The Raimi films are amazing, and they will always be amazing. And Spider-Man 2 is not getting any worse with time. Oh Spider-Man 2 is an amazing film. The first Spider-Man is great, but Spider-Man 2 is as close to a perfect superhero film as as we get in a lot of cases. And and there's always a rush to get caught up in the next best thing and, oh, what's the new thing that came out? But in this sense, I want to do the opposite. Don't compare Tom Holland and Tobey Maguire because they are two different Spider-Man at two different eras and periods of Peter Parker's life. These are two completely different portrayals mm-hmm. with two completely different attitudes of what they're going for and where they fit in the world and what storylines they're trying to reach. And there is no correct answer. So when people tell you that like Tom Holland's their favorite Spider-Man, especially younger people, that's okay. That's awesome. It, that's yeah. awesome. Like Congratulations for them. And if someone says, you know what, I like Tom Holland, but I really like the Tommy Ware films, that's cool too. Where you become an asshole is when you tell the other person that they're wrong for having... Unless you're like Andrew Garfield, then you're actually wrong. Yeah, no, Andrew Garfield is, is the incorrect answer. You're allowed to have... That is the only incorrect answer in all of this. Um, but we uh, that's going to be a, a podcast for us. I'm at Redshirt King. If you want to talk to me about anything I said today, uh, I love talking to you guys about movies, and I'd love to talk more about the Spider-Man, all of the Spider-Man, um, going back to the 70s movies, even. Let's, let's go super weird. And, uh, and into the cinema stuff. But, uh, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Uh, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Um, I'm not excited for Thor Ragnarok. <sighs> I'm not. 
not. I'm I'm gonna struggle to have to go see that movie so we can talk about it. But I love the Spider Man, and uh, maybe I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch Spider Man too. Maybe that'll be what I do next. It's always there, and it's always gonna be awesome. And uh, I'm gonna continue to be excited for Thor Ragnarok, and I can't wait till we get to talk about it. But until next time, goodbye. Hey there, C80's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.